What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I am Noah Hiles. He is Alex Stumpf. And Alex, I'm not, I don't even want to say it yet because I don't want to jinx it, but if I if I wasn't a baseball nerd, if I wasn't incredibly superstitious, I would say that baseball, it's back, friend. Yeah. I mean, I I'm going out to work tomorrow to watch them play you know, some of the baseball at PNC Park. So it, it feels like it's back. It is back. It is back. Come on. What do you mean feels like? It is. So I guess, hang on, before we really dive into it, I want to know, how's coverage going to work for this? Like, are you guys going to be allowed on the field or, you know, when you watch them practice or how, how are they going to keep you guys socially distant? Uh, I don't know how much I could actually reveal because a lot of it was, you know, under – penalty of death do not say how we're going to be doing blank 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 and blank uh the very painting with very broad strokes we're going to be in the stadium we're going to be able to watch the game we're going to be we're not going to be able to go into the clubhouse that's what i figured that that's the big one but we will still have access to players one-on-one access to players uh through the magic of zoom so yeah i'll find a way to do my job (laughs) now and I, I and if you can't answer this, just let me know. But are you guys going to be allowed like on the field for BP and stuff? Because I feel like honestly, that's no, probably no, a better alternative than clubhouse access anyway. Because you could you could socially distance yourself on the field. No, all the health and safety protocols. Everyone needs to stay far, far away. We're going to be we're going to be confined. I want we're going to be in our own I want our own me- little journalistic bubble. I want every media outlet to have its own section in the stadium. Like you and DK get like section 130 and then like the Trib will get like 125. The Post-Gazette will get 120. <laughs> fan will get 110, you know, just all around there. So there's there. Look, it's an Alex inception. There's my roommate coming right in. Two Alex's. Wow. Yeah. All right. So anyway, we're leaving that in. We're not, we're not editing that out. That was great. Uh, we come back and we're already thriving. Yes. All right. So, Alex, baseball looks like it's back. Um, opening day slated for the 24th of July, so less less than a month away. And for for a normal time, that seems like forever. For the you know what we've been through for the last three months, that seems like tomorrow. So it's exciting, but at the same time, it was a very long journey. Let's talk about how we got to this point. A 60-game season, question mark. Alex, what were your thoughts on, uh, you know, the process of setting up this shortened season? I mean, it was long, and it was tedious, and it was longer and more tedious than it needed to be. It was both sides, I feel like, didn't really – make a serious offer to one another that was like okay this is actually feasible let's let's get this going until the very end and even though the season's going to be going through the march agreement it didn't have to they could have come up with a 60 65 70 75 game season you know both sides would have worked out with there would have been expanded playoffs uh maybe the season would have started a little sooner than july 24 but no, both of them just were, you know, puffing their chests. It feels like for the first month or so, and it it was just a horrible, horrible process to cover. My goodness, that was that was not fun for the journalists in the in the room. I'll just I'll just put it like that. And I can't wait for those CBA negotiations to pick up. Whoa, that's. I think the biggest mistake out of all of it is you hinted at it. It's the timing. They missed the boat. This weekend should have been opening day. This weekend should have been opening day. And they wanted it to be. And that, and that would have been ideal. I was thinking about it. Father's day could have even been like a good, you know, father's day weekend, which was not this past weekend, but the one prior, if they really, really had their stuff together, that could have been, but that still would have been pushing it because it's mid June, but July 4th opening day, if you're doing a 60-game season on July 4th as your opening day, you get a month head start on the NHL and the NBA where you're the only ticket in town. You can have all of these games playing. You can capture a whole new fan base. 
And now you give new fans a reason to stick around and watch by the time the NHL playoffs, which is going to be a much more exciting format, and the NBA playoffs, which is just an immensely more popular sport. So you have those two things you're competing against, and now you are only getting a six-day head start to build momentum as opposed to an entire month. And that's where they really, they really screwed themselves. And this whole, you know, tell us, and I don't disagree with pretty much anything the players did for the most part, aside from this when and where nonsense, where it's convenient when they started saying that. It's really convenient when they started saying that. Because, I mean, they, they gave up or whatever. But, like, if you would have said, tell me when and where earlier, we would be doing our preview for the regular season, not a recap on the absolute shit show that was the negotiations. So that, I guess that's my only takeaway on the negative light for the players. It's, it was when and where when you had enough. Just why couldn't it have been, you know, like I, th- I feel like the players had to have recognized that like this was just going to be the deal from the get-go. And, I mean, that's what the players wanted for most of it. It wasn't, to, wasn't until the owners actually started to, at the end, offer and dangle different carrots with, you know, expanded, you know, playoffs and more money here, more money there, loan forgiveness that, you know, it became like an actual negotiation. And at that point, they had a week to do a month's worth of work after spending a month of doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So more than a month. But you touched on it. I'm just going to go with my little neck of the woods here at, at DK Pittsburgh Sports. That first week, the, way, the top one story for our site is going to be Pirates almost every day, I imagine. You know, those, those first couple games. And then the Penguins start. And there's no way that a Pirates regular season game, like the seventh or eighth game of the year, is going to, it, it's going to be hockey. It's going to be hockey, and it's going to be a lot of hockey for the next foreseeable future. And then whenever it stops being hockey, it's going to be the Steelers. Baseball completely missed a chance to build up a season, get people excited. It's, it's not even a matter of, you know, matter of the NBA being more popular than Major League Baseball right now. It's the playoffs is more excited than the second week of the regular season. It, that's the real crux of the problem right now. And that is something that is really going to hamper Major League Baseball, I think, throughout most of this year. I don't think, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, these negotiations, I'm not going to watch baseball. They'll come back. They'll watch baseball. If not in 2020, it'll be in 2021. This isn't going to be, you know, the death knell of, you know, Major League Baseball. Maybe in 2022, if there's a lockout. You know, maybe that's the death knell. But they had a chance to lead. And once again, as it seems like with everything, that has happened the last couple of years, it's the NBA that's leading instead. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's why you're seeing the NBA get a bigger and bigger portion of the market share. And you could say right now that the NBA is probably the second biggest league oh, in America even, right now. It's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, especially for younger, de- you know, like. Oh, younger demographic, it's not it, even close. It's no. not even close. And that's, that's the demographic that everyone, I mean, that's what. For someone who, and I know we talked how we're going to keep it, we're going to take it easy on Alex's pal, Rob Manfred, on this episode. All right? <laughs> uh, so we're not going to dive too deep into it. But for a guy that's obsessed with trying to make the game more attractive to young people, he – No, he isn't. Does, but that's what he claims. That's what he claims. We want to make the fan base younger. We want to appeal to younger fans. He quite literally does the opposite of the league that attracts the youngest demographic. Like basketball dominates for people, for the millennials, for the Gen Xers or what? No, Gen Z. Is that what's beneath us? Who cares? It's the TikTok generation. That's what <laughs> I uh, But uh, like that's, that's, they, they destroy. They, they get all of those fans. They get it. They get the social media. They get the marketing. They get all of that. And baseball misses the boat time and time again. And now you have a time period where kids – have nothing to do. Some of them can't even play little league this summer and they need something. They want some kind of sport to watch. I mean, I'm sure they love watching Ninja on Twitch and uh, whatever else they, you know, do to consume their time, but live sports of the four main core ones in America, baseball could have been the, and they still will be the first one back, 
but they could have been back weeks, weeks ahead, and a kid could have learned who Mike Trout was. Or maybe he knew who Mike Trout was, but he could have got to see how really talented Mike Trout was. You know, he could have got to see how fun Javi Baez plays the game. You know, how, how incredible it is to watch Garrett Cole when he is on. And now he's going to see that on SportsCenter after he watches highlights from a day full of NHL games and a day full of NBA playoff games. And, and my thing is, if the season got momentum, if it got interesting early on in July and they did it all right, they could compete against first-round NBA playoff games. I think they could. Yeah, NBA Finals, no chance. NBA Conference Finals, no chance. NHL, mm, yeah, I think in some areas that MLB could do better than the NHL playoffs if it gained momentum. There's no chance now. They're, they're not going to sell anyone in six days of action. They're just not. And a 60-game no. regular season is fun. That should be able to be sold. The game's going to be so much more important. Every out, every at-bat is going to matter so much more. But there's never going to be a time this entire season where baseball is the focal point because it's going to be overshadowed by hockey and basketball. And when that ends, football starts up. And everyone's Jones in for some football. So, they, yeah, to quote DJ, you played yourself. Yeah, football is what drives this country. And you know what the sad thing is about what you say about kids? You know, oh, I can finally watch Mike Trout. No, you can't. The MLB blackouts are terrible. You can't actually watch a lot of stuff. It's, it's a mess. I'm $30 a month. $30 a month. Is that what MLB TV costs nowadays? Yeah, $30 a month. I pay That's ridiculous. TV. And I get like a thousand channels. Thirty dollars a month? Yeah. That's what my roommate pays. Isn't isn't streaming for everything like it's that sweet spot of like eight to fifteen dollars. Dude, that's what I said. I had I paid fifty-eight for Hulu TV. That's like my cable provider. So it's it's like it's like literally half of what I pay just and I'd be doing it. I mean, I would, I would watch pretty much every game. Like I've always had, that was always a birthday gift for me. I think the deal is like, they do it for like a hundred dollars a year, which is still just ridiculous. You know, like that's another thing where you're applying it's to, you know, to hit on what Ian Desmond talked about a little bit. It caters to this game starting to just cater to one demographic and it's, it's, it's wealthy white people. And it just sucks because if you go through the history of the game, sure, there were some, you know, rich white guys, but a lot of people came from nothing and became some of the most important pieces of the baseball story. And little by little, you're seeing that get lost here. Um, I, I, you know, I brought this up. You brought that up, and I'm, I'm looking through because we just texted a while ago about Mount Rushmore pitchers. I'm trying to remember exactly what I told you, but it was, it was oh, Pedro, oh. Walter Johnson, uh, Bob Gibson, and I, and Sandy Koufax. Yeah, it's and it, it, Ian Desmond, I think, was right on the money there, and in, in that manifesto that he that he t Instagrammed out. I mean, it, it's not systemic racism in the sense that we don't let someone play because of the color of their skin, skin but you have to look at the situation of how accessible is this to everyone. And it's not an accessible game to a lot of parts of this country. Did you ever read uh, Kutch's article in the Players' Tribune about yeah. that issue and how he talked about how yeah. he, he had sponsorship and that's how – and th that same thing applied to me. When I played uh, Colt League over the summer and stuff, like the register – I was fortunate enough to play on a team where one of the parents on the team, one of the parents of one of the kids I played with, he was very well off and he paid for every single person on the roster's registration fee. He said, I just want you to show up and play hard. And he, you know, he put a company, his company on our Jersey and stuff. I wouldn't have been able to play that kind. Of, I mean, maybe I would have, maybe I wouldn't, but like, and I wasn't playing at the level of Kutch, what, what Kutch was playing when I was 17, you know, like, I wasn't going to different countries, or not countries, but cities all throughout the country. I wasn't staying in hotels. I wasn't, you know, receiving the training and instruction that he was then. Like, that's thousands of dollars every summer, man. 
That's thousands of dollars. It is. Where, and where you look at basketball, what do you need? You need 150 bucks for a pair of shoes. That's all you need. And I mean, and that's for, you know, the team shoes or whatever, where you have a discount. You can pay, pay more, you can pay less. Football, what do you need? You need 75 bucks for a pair of cleats. I mean, you might need gloves. You know, if you want to look cool, you could get some wristbands or whatever. But, but like, everything else is provided. Everything else is provided. And that's just not the case. And to get to get noticed, even in, even in hockey, I mean, that's oh, also hockey, an expensive sport. An incredibly expensive sport. But you see a lot of teams, especially like the Penguins. Penguins realized, you know, a long time ago that they should invest in local hockey teams in the community to help expand, uh, expand it. Yeah. I, and I, the pirates, I, pirates are doing it too now, but it's you can't just rely on the philanthropy of the actual teams to exactly it. to carry it. That's that's why a couple years ago that Jackie Robinson West team was so so empowering, you know, because it was different. Like that's I, and I understand it made history, but you turn on the Little League World Series now, it's you don't see a team full of african-american kids you know you don't see that it's and it's a shame that you know it takes a player like ian desmond to point this out now where it has been pointed out time after time again but now i I guess you know and that just applies to pretty much every issue in society we're finally starting to listen we're finally starting to notice this we're finally starting to hopefully take action on it and i hope that how other leagues have taken action towards you know inequality be it, you know, NASCAR, what they've done, what the NFL claims they're going to do, what the NBA continues to do, so on and so forth. I hope that the NBA does something. I hope that the NBA, or not the NBA, the MLB does something to make this a more equal game. I don't know how we got on this topic, but I'm glad we're talking about it. And you know what? I'm going to wrap up this topic by just saying MLB loves to bring up that they're the league of Jackie Robinson and what Jackie Robinson meant to the civil rights movement. Yep, it's a put up or shut up type moment. Of do you just like having that you know happen seventy something years ago, or do you want to actually carry on that spirit, that legacy? I saw a tweet the other day. It said the MLB can't keep acting like Jackie. Like Jackie Robinson is starting to become like, well, I have a black friend. You know, like when when yeah. the white person's in like those awkward racial arguments. Well, I, I'm not racist. My neighbor's black. Like that's what they're starting to treat like that kind of stuff like, and it's it's. It's not right, man. And again, this is a whole other thing, but the more and more I see how Major League Baseball treats the legacy of Jackie Robinson in the monetization and the justification of things, the more I do not want them to get their hands on Roberto and retire in 21 and treat him the same way. See, my, I'll differ with you on that. We're in the sense where I am optimistic about the future of, um, I don't know, just like, telling the right parts of history moving forward. I think that like when our generation and I just think that people now are starting to accept and like acknowledge different parts of history that have been ignored and do right by it. And so while, yeah, the guy in charge now probably wouldn't do right, right by Roberto's name. They would just try to make a ton of money off of his legacy. I think that by doing that now, later on um, his name, as we continue to become a more progressive society, his name and legacy will be done right. So that's why I'd be for it. Until I see that they're doing right by Jackie, though. I, I, don't, I don't want them to get Roberto. I know this is an unpopular opinion. Retire 21 is, you know, the popular movement. But I, I stand by whenever Major League Baseball is trying to hawk a beer using Jackie Robinson's name. It's like, oh, no, this is, this is all sorts of terrible <laughs> Yeah, man. I, I again, this was not written down, but it's kind of organic. It's kind of funny how organically this stuff comes up. It's like it's you know going on every day in our country, and we need to talk about it. Yes, yes. And this is something Josh Bell tied in a little with the parts because you know we masquerade as a Pirates podcast. <laughs> Josh Bell has brought up. I I think he's been very well spoken throughout all this. Uh, He's brought up some really good points. He said some things that, you know, might not exactly be popular with everyone. Uh, but I'm glad he feels comfortable enough to use his platform to do stuff like that, to say stuff like that. 
Uh, I mean, it's good. It's it's a conversation that we need to talk about. We need to listen about. And look at the popularity. Look at the new fan base that NASCAR is getting from one African American driver speaking out and having those conversations. So you know, I don't know one at one out of however many NASCAR drivers are doing this, and. I mean, others are contributing, but, you know, the one African-American NASCAR driver is doing this. If the, the 8% of MLB does something like that, you know, maybe that does. Maybe this is a time where they can capture a new demographic. All right, so that's enough MLB talk and talk about the world and everything. So, Alex, like you said, we kind of, we, we moonlight. Uh, we're, we're the, you ever watch Parks and Rec? Oh, yeah. What's the saxophone player duke duke silver yeah we're we're like a duke silver podcast we moonlight as a uh, pirates podcast these days i feel like because we haven't had we haven't had a, a major league baseball game to talk about in over oh not over a year but it feels like over 10 years i was thinking about it the other day you know the last the last mlb game that i stayed all nine innings for was the all-star game really Yes. I went to a couple Pirates wow. games afterwards, but, like, I left early. Like, I, I just was, like, with my dad. Like, the one day it rained. Another time, like, it was, like, they are getting blown out. It was right before I moved. But, yeah, have not been to a nine-inning Asia League game since the All-Star game. I haven't been since September, if it makes you feel any better. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So, the Pirates roster comes out. Uh, the 60-man, they've got, you know, the – Remind me, beat writer. How does this work? I think, what is it? They go, they go from, what is it, tw- 30 to 30, 30 to 28 to finishing at 26. Okay. And they, have like, a, and they have a taxi squad ready to go in case yeah, you need to make Bringing it three people along for the ride every week. And uh, good luck. Um, I saw today, uh, you're going to have to guess if someone's out with COVID-19. Did you see that? We are? Oh, you didn't see this? I, I was led to believe there was a, a, a separate injured list or whatever. Oh, no, here. Let me, let, me, uh, let, me, let me tell you more about your job, Alex. Give me one second. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I know you could be on the list and not actually have COVID-19 if, you're just, if you just were in contact with someone and you're just off the table. Then. I can't find you the exact tweet, but, yeah, they said they will not list – they will not. They will not say a player has COVID nineteen. You will have to guess. They will not list an injury. Well, guessing if someone has COVID nineteen just screams lawsuit. So I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. How are you feeling today? How is your arm? Your leg? Your lungs? Anyway, pirates roster. <laughs> pirates roster. Uh, you look things over. Nothing too shocking here, right? I mean. Uh, Brian made the big club though, didn't he? He's in the big league, the big club spring training. Nothing's yeah. official if he if he'll make it, because he's he's in a really bad spot in that if he's in the minor leagues or in the al- the alternate camp or whatever for a week, they could call him up and they still have six years of control over him. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to justify giving up a year of control for a week. It's terrible. It, it's not fair to the player. Well, it's, I mean, it's just how baseball is done. Not saying that that's 100% what the Pirates are going to do. And you know what? If Ben Charrington, you know, Derek Shelton are like, you know what? We are going to be a Pirates, a player-centric club. Here's a good first way to show. We're not going to manipulate his service time. Maybe, but that seems dumb. That's, that I mean, is, that is a stretch beyond stretching. Like, yeah, it's it's opening week. Just wait. You know, I I, I, yeah. I I would be mad if they actually did that. And I, I'm always advocating to call the guy up early, but we're talking six days, you know, seven days. Just just wait. Um so any any surprises with this? Anything that sticks out to you? Uh any hot takes, I guess, on their roster? Some guys that you didn't think would make it on here, some guys that you're surprised got left off. Um, the guy I think I'm most surprised was left off would be Will Craig. Yeah, I mean he's he's going to Altoona instead, and I, I'm writing as we speak right now this you know giant piece about you know the Pirates' position players for this 
upcoming year. And I like I, I still suspect he's going to be a popular player to be put in that taxi squad if a couple people got hurt or removed from the roster. I could see him still being in the mix for 2020. Yeah, I'm a little surprised, though, um, considering he was just added to the 40-man roster. I just feel like you got a million guys like him already. You know, you have Osuna. He, he, that's Moran. Right against, he's going right up against Osuna, the guy who could play first base and right field. Yeah. Right-handed, right-handed hitter, a little pop. Yeah. At, at this stage of their career, they're the exact same player. And Will Osuna Craig's a has defender. MLB experience. Yeah. So it's a no-brainer that you would go up for him. But, you know. Uh, some some notable – I think, honestly, when you're talking about the Pirates roster, it's it's who's not on it as far as injury and everything. I mean, I think those are the three most interesting storylines with this team. Jamo yeah. being able to practice with the team and continue to, to develop. I just think anytime you're around Jamison Tyone, you're better for it. And that just do, that doesn't even go for baseball. It just goes <laughs> for, like, being a person. Like, he's just a good dude. Uh, that, that's a team that, that clubhouse clearly missed his leadership, um, after his injury. I think there are a lot of problems that I don't know if they would have been avoided if he was there, but I think if he was healthy, he probably could have kept things a little bit more under control and not even as like a vocal leader, but things just seem a lot smoother when he's, uh, he goes he's a he's calming not, presence. He sure he's is. Calming and presence. I think having him there, even with the understanding that he's not going to play this year. I think it's still a good thing. You know, it, it gives younger or new guys to the roster a chance to meet him and get to know him. And it gives the affirmation that we're going to get this guy back and he's going to be a part of the future here still. So, yeah, that's good. I guess I should have answered this question more bluntly. The guy I'm surprised wasn't on the roster is Edgar Santana because he just got popped for 80 games for PED use for a drug that you use in race horses. Uh, that's new. That was that was unexpected. Uh, Chris Archer, another guy. I mean, he had some neck issues in, in Bradenton. And whenever you read up on TOS, it's like, yeah, that's probably a symptom of it. That's what Nick happened to Nick Birdie last year. He had, like, the neck pain. It's like, well, no, it's actually part of TOS also. That's just a symptom. So without Tyon, without Archer – they're without their two best pitchers, arguably. And now one, one of their best relievers is off the board, too. So there might have been some pitching concerns beforehand. Uh, that just got amplified. Yeah, and the Edgar thing, I mean, it's just disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it's just how he, – he really showed a lot of promise in 2018. And I, yeah. I, I actually had a good relationship with Edgar. I, I, I got along he, with He's him. a nice guy. I'll yeah. never forget the one day I was showing my friend who was in town from Portland. And I was, you know, we were just walking around the North Shore. And we just saw this dude riding around on a bike with like a 13-year-old. And he was just like, it's Edgar Santana. Just riding around with this like 14-year-old kid on bikes going across the Clemente Bridge. He had like a wife beater on. I was like, Edgar, what's up? He's like, oh, hey. I'm like, and I asked him, like, who's that kid? He goes, us, ah, my friend. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the steroids thing, it's, it's sad. It's surprising. But I mean, I guess, you know, considering the context of the situation, he wanted to get back. He wanted to get back and, you know, he, that's, that's a big reason why guys do those. Do, P, do PEDs. It's to, you know, expedite or injury recovery. Not justifying it. I'm just explaining that's probably what he did, you know? But has he released a statement? Has he said anything about it? No. No, I mean, it, it's still fresh. Does he still do you think he sees the light of day in the MLB again? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, he's still a talented enough pitcher. And he's not he that got, He's like, what? 20? No, no, he'll be 28, I think, next year. That's not out. Outrageous. I mean, Richard Rodriguez was a 28-year-old rookie. And, and Santana has one really good season under his belt still. I mean, this is it's, – it's obviously not ideal. It's obviously not good for his career. Pirates, but. Pirates will end up releasing him, and he'll record, like, the final out in the World Series for, you know, whoever. Daniel Hudson his way through. Yeah. He'll have one of those years. So, uh, yeah, we hit on Archer. I mean, the Archer thing, it's just com- – like, it's not comical. You feel for the guy. 
But like the situation is comical, like how how bad things. That the trade just keeps getting worse. Blunt gut reaction: Does he ever pitch again for the Pirates? No, no. And I, to, be I'm honest, with you. to be honest, I hope he doesn't. Like I'm just ready for it to be over with. And like, and it's no again, no offense to Archer. I mean, I as as a the fan in me wants to see him, you know, come back and and battle back in 2021, and you know, gain some sort of pride from all of this. But like. The realist in me is just like, dude, just just let it die. Like, let it just let let this just be what it is. It's it was a horrible trade. Shane Boz is gonna win a Cy Young. You know, Tyler Glass now is gonna win. You know, eighty of them, and Austin Meadows is gonna hit five hundred and have an OPS of forty thousand. And it just this is what it is. It is what it is. You just gotta. There's no salvaging it anymore. I'm just ready to move on from the whole Chris Archer experience. I real I really am. I really it's I'm over it. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I know a lot of I, I i'm not gonna add any commentary to it besides I've, I've heard that a lot i've seen that a lot in comments it's you're not alone in, in that I mean, it's a shame because chris is a cool dude he's a nice guy but brings a lot you know what? I, I i i feel like i i thought this was going to be a good bounce back year for him i think he figured out a lot of stuff last year once he finally got rid of that terrible sinker that he had no business throwing and I can't believe that Neil Huntington made a trade for a strikeout pitcher. And his way to make him better was to make him start throwing a pitch that is explicitly designed to not get strikeouts. Oh, my goodness, the word's coming out of my mouth every time. It makes you wonder how that trade ever got down, went through, I, what, what, where the mindset was in that. And I, I, I honestly can't even really blame Archer. Any of that, he was just like, Okay, I'm, I'm gonna trust these guys, I'm gonna trust my coach. This is the right thing to do. And it wasn't until we went rogue, he's like, I'm done with that pitch. Did you actually see the old Chris Archer start to shine through? I was trying to think of Chris Archer's best moments as a pirate. Um, I, I, I the ones that came to my head arriving to the stadium and an Antonio Brown jersey. You know what? Boy, oh boy, did that not set the pace yes like foreshadowing like god 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 he was tricky on that one like i didn't see you there jesus you, you really you sneaky son of a gun look at you um i, for, I forgot he came in in the uh, of all jerseys to come in struck out i forget who with the bases loaded to end the first inning and that was exciting um he did like a backwards run off the mound on the home opener that was cool and uh he started the first of many fights with the Cincinnati with Derek Dietrich yeah yes and I think that that concludes the memorable the good memorable moments for Chris Archer as a Pittsburgh Pirate oh man oh man all right so I hope they start off ten and zero. I hope they start off ten and zero. You and I are gonna. You be- gotta buy the deadline, baby. <laughs> we are buyers. We're doing it this year. We're, how no? That was a question I had. How many wins in a row do the Pirates need to start off the season to to get your articles at the top of the uh, page on DKPittsburghSports.com? Overpaying. Oh, like, it'll, it'll be on there. They're not gonna play hockey every day, but to compete with the hockey. Yeah. I- I, 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 to be blunt, it would probably take about 15, or 20, you know, 15 to 20 in that range yeah. to, to boot an actual hockey playoff game. And that's nothing against the sport, but in Pittsburgh, hockey playoffs is going on the front page. Yeah. The only thing that can knock off hockey playoffs would be like football playoffs, but that's not going to – they don't coincide with one another. Yeah. yeah. All right. So short season for the Pirates. Alex – what are some ways off the top of your head that you think the Pirates have an advantage or maybe maybe not even an advantage, but things that this short season will be good for them? Uh, short season means every inning is more valuable as a pitcher, and that makes your relief pitchers more I- inherently valuable because over 60 games, that's going to be 540 to 600 innings is somewhere in that range where, you know, over a major league season, it's 1,600-whatever plus extra innings. So each one of those innings is more valuable. So whenever you have 
weapons in that bullpen, like Kella, like a healthy Crick, like a healthy Nick Birdie. I, I still feel like even though they're down with Santana, that is a strength for this team. And it's a it's probably going to be the number one thing that's different about 2020 baseball than regular. Because how many times do we see in the playoffs a team get bumped because of their bullpen work? And those are confined series, of course, but that's over the course of like 20 games. This is only going to be oh, three times as long as that. Only 40 games longer than like a regular postseason. Bullpen is going to be very, very important. And I feel like less depth in the starting rotation is not going to be as easily exploited because there's only going to be 12 turns through that rotation. Uh, you don't have to be in a situation like they were last year whenever they had Nick Kingham just thrown out there, you know, as their seventh or eighth inning guy, and he was just getting smacked around. And they went into this game knowing he's going to get crushed, but no one else on the stack could go four innings. They're not – the odds of that happening, unless the pandemic really hits. How many simulations you know, just, did you run on this? I, I ran only 9,999. What could one more simulation, you know, offer? Come on. No. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like having that level, that that amount of depth is not going to be as easily exploitable. And on the flip side of that, uh, not having a true ace is actually not going to be a good thing for this team. Because the, in the same way that, you know, relievers are going to be more valuable because there are less innings, someone like Max Scherzer is going oh. to be more valuable because there are less innings. He's going to, what he does as a pitcher is going to take up a larger percentage of that pie of innings thrown by Nationals pitchers this year. And the Pirates, without Tyon, without Archer, i not saying they're on Scherzer level, but they're two guys. I, I keep, I always refer to Archer as someone who figured stuff out. And I truly did believe this was going to be a good season for him as, a, you know, bouncing back. He figured some stuff out, new coaching staff, all that jazz. They're down two. They're number one and they're number two starter for this year. That's tough to overcome. Yeah. Um, when, when, to reflect on everything that you talked about, one where you talked about uh, the short season, making decisions with the bullpen, you know, every game matters. Clint Hurdle's just got to be breathing a sigh of relief. Like, this is his nightmare scenario where <laughs> it's like he doesn't have, like, the rest. The Sunday lineups, like, he's like, what do you mean I can't play Sean Rodriguez this year? You know, this is, this is blasphemy. Like, he's do, you remember, do you remember last year, it was like in May or something, Pirates are playing the Rangers, I think it was. And some relief pitcher who people thought was really good was waiting in the bullpen. And it was very clearly, like, the Rangers' offense at this point was garbage beyond this scenario. They're down four runs. The bases are loaded, two outs, and they have 100 pence up. You get 100 pence out, the game's over. Ninth inning, who cares? You and me could go out and pitch, and we would get, you know, we would finish off the game. And they chose to throw, bring in a new pitcher, and it was Michael Feliz who gave up a grand slam. Yes, yes. And they're like, well, why didn't you go to that, that other left-handed pitcher who, who people think is really good? It's like, well, it wasn't a safe situation, except it was. Yeah. Except it was. Yeah, Hurdle, Hurdle would have hated this. And I think it's going to be a very telling test of a new manager. I mean, this is, this is a year where, you know, everyone makes the argument, oh, you know, the DH takes away from baseball and everything. And, and I can agree where certain strategies are taken away by having a designated hitter. But this year, the management of the pitching is going to be a test on, you know, maybe not even a manager, but analytic departments, uh, the biometrics, I believe they're called, where they measure, you know, rust and rest and all that good stuff. It's all going to be very interesting on how all that goes down this year. So, I'll be, I'll be looking forward to watching that and um, Shelton's first year at the helm and the decisions he makes. A question I have for you, Alex, is do we see bullpenning more this year? Especially now that you have a designated hitter, National League clubs can do this. I think if the DH didn't exist or if the DH existed last year, the Pirates probably would have committed to this a lot more. And I, I think that now, with like you said, two of your best starting pitchers are out, you might – 
you might have more of a reason to try this. No? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Derek Shelton actually talked about that. He's like, you know, we know what we're going to do with four spots. I put that fifth one's up in the air. We could use the opener. We could go with the traditional guy. We can, you know, it, it, it's different. And bullpenning doesn't always have to be just, you know, bullpen games. It's, you know, we're going to our our second best reliever in the in the fourth or fifth inning because we need to win this game, and this is the biggest moment of this game. And Kel is, you know, the quote-unquote closer he's put in there. It would be interesting to see if maybe they're a little more flexible with that as the season progresses. I mean, because Keone, I mean, I talked to him and Bradenton, and he just flat out said, like, look, I, I'm at the point in my career, I just want to win. And if I, it, it, you know, we went through won some, everywhere but Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, and I just said, you know, we went through some scenarios. So I'm like, so just to throw it out there, eighth inning, the three, four, five hitters are, are coming up. Like, you would say, give me that inning. You'd be okay with going in that inning, you know, get the big guys out and then give, you know, six, seven, eight to someone else. He's like, yeah, yeah. So that, that's different. That's something they could do. This is going to be a very interesting year. I think this is the year that demands experimentation, that ex- demands, you know, w- we can't manage this game. We can't ma- manage this season. Like, it's 162 games. We can't have a scenario where Trevor Williams gives up five innings or five runs in the second inning to St. Louis. Be like, well, you got to wear it, man. You got to go two or three more innings. It's No, we, we need to win this game. Yeah. So maybe we go to the bullpen, you know, in the third inning. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be very different. It's going to be very exciting. If only there was a month. If only there was some way Major League Baseball had a month to show off this type of new baseball right. in this abbreviated season rather than six days before the other leagues start their playoffs. If only there was some way. Yeah. Um, and another thing where it comes to bullpenning, if, if either Archer or Tyon were healthy and the rotation had a little bit more depth, I think Chad Cool would have been like an ideal opener. I, I don't even think opener. I think Chad Cool was the type of guy that – you're like, hey, you're going in the fourth inning. You're going to go two innings. Throw hard. Yeah. <laughs> because – or So, like, the bulk guy? The bulk guy, the no – relief or The whatever. guy who if, – if this was a baseball video game, I – and you didn't have to worry about, like, workloads or, or stuff like that, I, I feel like Chad Cole would have been, like, the perfect person for that video game. He's like, all right, he's going to go in two innings here. These are two big innings. He's just got to get these through the jam, bridge the, gla- bridge the gap to Crick or Keller. All right. I think another moving away from pitching, I think another advantage that the Pirates gain from their roster structure from uh, this shorting, shortened season, I think Josh Bell being a DH and giving Jose Asuna an opportunity to be an everyday player. I know, I know I'm like one of like four people in the world who has – you know, some faith in this guy, but Alex, you can testify. Like I've always been on team Osuna. Like I, I always thought that like, Hey, you know, this guy deserves a little bit of a chance. And he kind of had one in 2017. Um, I mean, that's when he was young and it was his first time in the bigs. I think last year when given the opportunity, he certainly did something with the bat. And he, I think he pro- provides an, a defensive upgrade at first base compared to what Belk is capable of. And we allow Josh Bell to do what he does best and only that, and that's swing a bat. Yeah, we saw Osuna get become player at the trade deadline last year. I, I've brought this up in the past. Uh, I feel like what Jose does really, really well is he's able to pick up on little things, and he's good at watching the game. So, and that's why he excels as a pinch hitter, you know, coming in cold, but he's prepared. He is as well prepared as anyone on that bench. Unfortunately, pinch hitting doesn't really matter as much this year anymore without, with DH in, in place. So, I don't know. Osuna is an interesting guy because I feel like his first at-bat is his best at-bat that he's going to offer that, that day. Um. Maybe it would be best for him to be at first base and to move Josh Bell to DH. Shelton just flat out said we're not going to have a set DH. It's going to rotate some. Uh, but if they do that, 
if they decide to go otherwise, you know, maybe call Moran DHs and you put Eric Gonzalez or Brian Hayes at third base, or with Cole. the latter, with the latter being the more preferred, or even Cole, I guess. Or well, I mean, I, I think you could de- like you could I, I, come in an off day and DH him and bat him lead off and put Cole at shortstop. You've seen teams do that too. Yeah. Where yeah, if you have two that. good middle infielders and they're both hitting the ball, it gives you a chance to get guys at bats. Like if they're if they're out of the season, that's going to be a challenge. I mean, it's not going to be as much of a challenge if you know they start the year one and twelve, and then it's like, okay, we're gonna just who cares about this year? Let's go for twenty twenty one. Everyone mm-hmm. get reps. It's going to be completely different. But if they're winning. It's going to be interesting to see. I know people probably roll their eyes whenever I say if they're winning. This is a team that's gotten out of the gate pretty well the last couple years. And it's hung around through half a season, you know, through the All-Star break. It's – I can't write this team off. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I I cover this team. I'm saying this, like, legitimately, I can't write this team off. There are too many – talented players here to look at a freak 60 game scenario and be like no they just have no chance it's just it's just done this is the Detroit Tigers who cares it's over my thing about it why you can't write them off is the division they play in there hasn't been a team that got off to a hot start in the National League Central since the Cubs in 2016 yeah after that every team I mean the NL Central every year at the all-star break the team leading the division has is like five games over 500. And normally you'll see a second, a strong second half campaign. The Cubs have done that a couple times. The Cardinals had a really good the second. Brewers. The Brewers. Yeah. will catch fire. But for the most part, everyone starts slow out of the gate in the NL central. It's been like that for the last five years. And maybe it's different this year with the pandemic, maybe the Cincinnati Reds and every, all the moves that they've been doing, you know, get them real fired up and they're just, you know, the fastest horse out of the gate and don't slow down. I don't know what they're going to do, but overall, yeah, I think that's the biggest reason is that this is not a division where, you know, like in Houston where, or in LA or Boston for a couple years where they, they just start off the first month, 10 games over 500 and don't look back. That's just not the case with these teams. So I think that's, what's going to be interesting is unless things change and there are different managers now and their division's going to look a lot different. I mean, there's three brand new managers now or no two, two in the NL central, right? Pirates, Cubs. Am I forgetting someone? Cardinals don't have a new manager. No, no reds don't have a new manager. Just those two. Okay. Two, but still that's 40% of the division. Um, Alex, what are some ways the shortened season hurts the pirate? I brought up not having an ace, you know, someone to take up that big chunk of innings pitch this year. Uh, another thing, just flat out, like one hot streak could make this team. One cold streak could end it. Well, it's, you know, it's not like they've been a streaky team in the last, you know, five And this years. has been the streakiest team in baseball the last couple of years. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. Rivaled only by the Brewers. Uh, it's, I mean, we saw this team go, what, what was it, four in 22? I, yeah. Year? Yeah. Something ridiculous like that. Like, if they start this year four in 22, my goodness. They, they could go for a record for the worst winning percentage of all time. Yeah. It's... Not great in that crowd. Please. They're not going to go forward 22. Again, hopefully. That'd be, that'd be rough on my job. But uh, <laughs> it one bad streak could really dictate how the rest of the season is operated. There's going to be a trade deadline. If the Pirates aren't competing, Keller's going to go for whatever. I can't imagine that anyone is going to give much for a relief pitcher for a month of baseball and then whatever in the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be, you know, a sack of balls or in some fringe no-name prospect. Uh, they need to get hot. One cold streak can sink this team, especially – this team. This isn't like the Yankees where, you know, they could weather a six-game losing streak or whatever. This team in particular cannot lose seven, eight games in a row at any point and expect to be 
even relevant. You talked about the trade, uh, Kelly getting traded at the deadline. I think that that's something that really hurts the Pirates in this shortened season is trade value for anyone that they had intentions of dealing this year, not just Kella, but like any other guy, I think it's going to be harder to move players. It's going to be a lot harder to move guys in this shortened season. And even if you're able to move them, I don't think you're going to be able to get value that you would get. Teams are going to be a lot less or a lot more picky with what they give away because the dude they're trading for has only played a month of baseball. You know, it's like, it's like making a trade in April. Or, or May, you know, you don't see that a lot, especially like a, for a meaningful player. It's, you need, you need to, when you're trading for like a bullpen guy, I mean, that's such a year to year production for a guy like, you know, a guy like Kella or whoever out of the bullpen. That's just a big risk that I don't think, I don't think we're going to see a lot of trades at all this year, personally. And to, to play devil's advocate on the other end, if the Pirates get hot, and there are a bunch of cheap bullpen arms out available. You don't have to give up top prospects, not that much in terms of dollar-dollar bill. That all of a sudden becomes very interesting, especially since I did a whole piece on this, since almost all revenue this year is going to come from television and, you know, actual revenue sharing. In that sense, Pirates, Pirates are going to be far off, far better off financially than most teams this year. So – yeah, I think they could actually invest in this team in terms of dollars if they are competitive hey, at Mr. some point. Mr. Beat Reporter, I have a question. Yes. Um, are the Pirates planning to do what the A's are doing where you can pay money to have a life-size car- cardboard cutout of yourself in the seats? I hope they do. I haven't if heard they if they are. I'm buying one, and it's not going to be of me. It's going to be of John Jaso, and I'm going to sit it on, on the first baseline. Oh man! Costa Where do you think he is right now? What right now? Yeah, what? what John Jaso is two days away from finding out what COVID nineteen is. He's gonna <laughs> stumble out of his house on on whatever you know, early July, and be like, "Wait, why is everyone wearing masks?" And, and like, he's just gonna figure it all out. So I don't know where he is. He's in the moment. I guess would be my answer. It's hard to, it's hard to magnify or locate someone who really just, they don't have a location doesn't apply to John Jaso. John Jaso is an idea. He's an entity. Maybe the real John Jaso is the friends we made along the way. The the American psycho thing. You just picture him peeling. (laughs) There that's is a no whole lot. That's not quite as wholesome as mine. Yeah. Um, but another thing I think to get back on track, oh, we're rusty. When, do we, when are we ever on track? No, no, this, this has been, this has been wild. Um, my editing is going to be, we're going to give you a challenge tonight. Um, something that I think is also going to be a challenge for a team like the Pirates, uh, this short season hurts their development for a lot of their young guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this was a year, I mean, and they made it very clear that they were going to learn what they had within the system. They didn't go out and sign any free agents like they never really do anyway, but they were vocal about, you know, we want to give guys like Cole Tucker a shot. We want to see what he's capable of. They want to give guys like Kevin Newman more reps, Kevin Kramer, who's out for the year, but other, other guys like Osuna would have got a full year of tries and, you know, chances. Moran would have got another year of opportunities Polanco a full season of returning opportunities all these guys they get they get less reps now moving forward and while for older guys that's not terrible um younger guys I mean you're you're wasting a year of their potential prime to to get at bats and get better moving forward so I think that that hurts when you're in a team when you're a team like the Pirates where you're not necessarily in win now mode this isn't good for their youth development If this is just – it's just not good for anyone. Can we just end it on that note? This has been bad for everyone. Nobody's better because of this. This virus is terrible. It's stupid. I hate it. Thank goodness there's going to at least still be a season. <laughs> um, last question, Alex. Who is your 
who is your most valuable player going into this season? Not not assuming like results wise, but like who do you think is the most important player on the Pirates roster in twenty twenty? Gregory Polanco. If Gregory Polanco plays like twenty, you you've always if, you've always been on his bandwagon, man. If Gregory Polanco hits to his potential, Josh Bell has terrific protection in the lineup. The lineup gets a whole lot more power added to it. All of a sudden, you know, a top five with, you know, Newman, Reynolds, Bell, Polanco, that's that's pretty good right there. So, yeah, he's, he's the guy who can really make the biggest difference in the offense. If the Pirates hit enough and they pitch enough, they're in the mix. They're in the mix. Polanco is the guy who keeps that going. I will see your Polanco, and I will raise you a Joe Musgrove for the most important player on the team. You talked about the importance of having a guy that can go deep in the ball games. I think that Joe Musgrove, the thing that he does better, aside from you know maybe like lifting weights, that he does better. He does that probably better than most guys on the roster. But I think his best value to the Pirates pitching staff is he's been consistently the guy that can go deep into ball games. And we didn't see that a ton last year, uh, but we certainly saw it more than most of the other guys in the rotation. He, even if he doesn't have pretty starts, I mean, you look at his 2018 numbers, his first year in Pittsburgh, he would go, you know, he'd go seven a lot. And it might end up with him allowing four or five earned runs. But those, those days are important where you can go in the ball game, and if you're pitching and the team still has a lead and you can give – your, your eighth inning guys or your back end guys a day off or something like that, especially if you're going to be bullpenning. Someone like Musgrove's important. And he's going to have, I think he's going to have to step up and be the ace of the staff, which will be a challenge. But yeah, I'm going Joe Musgrove. All right. And just to wrap up the season or wrap this up, prediction number wins. Let's go. Oh, we'll 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 do that. We'll, next we'll save that. We'll save that. All right, all right. Yeah, we'll we got to do like a season preview, where okay. we go around the league and everything. I will. I'm also like thinking like we'll set like an over under on positive COVID nineteen tests and stuff. Oh <laughs> no, no, we're not. All right, Alex. Again, lawsuit asking to yeah. begging to happen. Alex, what what articles do you want to plug? Uh, reminder: This is coming out on Thursday. Thursday, read the final part of the summer camp preview. That's out now. Uh, hey, 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 parts. you're not supposed to call it summer camp, okay? It's summer camp by Camping World, whatever it is. Did you see, was it Heyman who got mad no. about that? No, I, I didn't see it. I think it's officially called summer camp. Oh, yeah, he was not happy about it. He was not happy. Oh, yeah, because, you know, Major League Baseball got it sponsored. Did you ever see Idiocracy? Yes, yes. Brought to you by Carl's Jr. Yeah. Summer camp brought to you by Carl's Jr. It's a really good way to make money every time I say it. I, I, when I think of dumb sponsorships, I always think of uh, Talladega Nights. This sticker is inconvenient, but I sure do love it. <laughs> <laughs> just drive with it on the windshield. Um, that, 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 that's a close second, but I always think of brought to you by Carl's Jr. Yeah. So read Alex's work. Follow him on Twitter at Alex J. Stump. Follow me as well. I need to catch up to Alex at noah underscore hiles 95 um like rate subscribe check out all of alex's other pirates content if you want to learn more about canton news you can check out my content as well we are excited to bring you regular podcasts again we really have not had a reason to talk about anything in the past however long because the pirates didn't make any off-season moves and then the season just didn't start so now that we're back on behalf of Alex, I would also like to say, as he, you know, jug, sips down some whiskey there, uh, we're pumped to talk some baseball and hopefully entertain you guys uh, and gals as this 60-game roller coaster gets underway here in about a month. So, for Alex Stumpf, I'm Noah Hiles signing off, as always, saying, let's go Bucks.